Thank you for engaging today's message with Wind River Community Church. Our prayer for you is that you will encounter Christ and grow in your relationship with Him. May this encourage you in connecting with other people who follow Jesus as well as knowing you are not alone. If you would like prayer, please text us at 307-240-8742 or if you would like more information about this program or past messages, visit our website at windriverchurch.com. I look forward to hearing what God is doing in your life. And now, here is today's message. Right now we're on a four-part series um, where we're talking about the Spirit of God. Last week, I just I introduced what it looks like to have Spirit-empowered prayer. And, and if we're going to accomplish anything, that's what we have to have. We have to have the Holy Spirit empowering us to pray powerful prayers so that we see the lost saved, so that, so that we see our lives transformed, so that we see marriages rescued, so that we see kids getting truth instead of lies, so that we see God moving through our community. And that's why we have 21 days of prayer. And 21 days of prayer is really quite strategic, I believe, for two reasons. I mean, there's a bunch of reasons, but the two that I really think are really important for us to understand strategically is that, first of all, this is August. We're kind of like, you know, in the middle of August right now, and we're getting, we're moving towards the fall. And so 21 days of prayer is really a great way to get over the summertime slump. We've, we've gone on vacation, we've been out at the lake and the mountains, and, and we've had this great time of just being away and not worrying about a lot of things. But what happens is, is that we typically don't worry about enough things. Like, how am I doing spiritually? What's my spiritual temperature right now? Where am I moving at? And so by doing 21 days of prayer, and you step into that, and you pray over those 21 days, God does this thing where he ignites a fire for him, a passion, and you're like, man, I can't wait to meet with God again. That's what 21 days of prayer will do you on the first, first level. The second thing is because I really believe that God is uh, doing something greater. It, it's like when you look at stuff that's going on on top of the water, if you're a fisherman, you look on top of the water and you don't see a fish moving, you don't see anything happening, you're looking and nothing is is taking place, and you just wonder if, if anything's going on. But yet, below the surface, there is a lot going on. And I believe right now that in our community, because of this church and because you have been praying, God is doing something under the surface that is about ready to explode to the top of it. And so, by us coming together, we get to now come and pray. Because I believe that God is going to release people from the bondage of sin. He's going to call them. There's a, there's a verse that Jesus was quoting. He said, no, one, no one's going to be able to come to me unless my Father calls them. That's part of that prayer that we want to pray during 21 days. You have somebody who's far from Jesus. You go, God, Bob needs you. Would you start to call him? God's going like yeah, I'm going to do that. Bob, you need me. You need Jesus. Bob, go. And that's what God's going to do. But it won't happen unless we're asking the Father to do that on our behalf. And so it's really important because there's a harvest of things coming. And, and we especially want to, to see things 
change in our world. And so we need to seek God with all of our heart, with who we are. And why do we seek God? Especially for those of us who are walking in faith with Jesus already. We're already part of God's family. Why do we seek Him? It's because we know we need Him. We seek God because we need God. I'm going to tell you this morning that um, I feel right now in my own life that I need God more than I've ever needed Him before. Uh, we're, we're at, a, we're at, a, we're at a, a critical junction in our church. God's called me to come and to equip the saints to lead and to feed. And in where we're at right now, I need wisdom and I need the power of the Holy Spirit and I need to be able to, to, to see what God has so that we walk in the vision that he has for this church. And so I desperately, I, I'm desperate to have more of God in my life because I know what he wants to do. Matter of fact, during our, our three months away, God rekindled in my heart a new passion, re, reignited a passion for lost people, that lost people would get saved, and that the saved people would get pastored, and that the pastor people would get trained, and that the trained people would be mobilized to go out and share their faith with, of Jesus with other people. So I'm desperate for God, and I need Him. And I'm going to do everything I can to bring you messages that I hope will stir something deep in your heart where you're going, I need more of God. I need God's power. I need to do what God can do. And so I know what I can do, and what I can do isn't enough to get done what we need to get done. I know what you can do and the things you can do it's not enough to get us where we need to go. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's why we're desperate to seek God for His work and moving in our life. And so I think it's really important for us to understand how God works and moves in our lives. Listen, we, we, I would say that probably most everybody that's here has a clarity or an understanding that we worship a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're really comfortable with Father God. Matter of fact, uh, when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, that's exactly how he started it off. He said, start, start by saying this, Our Father who art in heaven. That's, that's Father God. And, and what it does is it brings this, this uh, place of intimacy where you're talking with your dad about the things that are pressing on your heart that are important, the things that, that you can't deal with, which, by the way, is probably about 98% of your life. You can't handle it, but he can. So we go to our Father. We're really comfortable with that. And then we recognize that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came in the form of uh, a man born of the Virgin Mary, and he suffered under Pontius Pilate, and, and he was crucified, and he died, and he was resurrected on the third day. And we go, thank you, Jesus, that you died for my sins. But when we come to the person of the Holy Spirit, most of us are like, I don't want no spirit thing going on in my life. I, that, that's a little bit freaky, and I, I don't think I want 
the Spirit in my life. And, and, and I know that, that there are a lot of Christ followers who are all about the Father, they're all about Jesus, but they're a little bit arm's length when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And yet, Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, said, I'm going up to, to see up to be of my Father, and I'm going to sit at his right hand, and it's best for you that I go to heaven, because if I don't go, then the Comforter, the, the one who will empower you, the one who has all the strength that you need to do what God's calling you to do, won't come. So it was to our advantage that the Holy Spirit came for us. But what I want to do this morning is I want to give you a clear understanding of who the Holy Spirit is for you and will work in your life. And that, that he's not someone that we need to fear or someone that we need to avoid. And so I want to bring a biblical understanding of the Spirit's work in our lives. And that brings me to our theme verse that we have that's going to go through this whole series. This is the second week in a three, four-part series. And it says, this is the word of the Lord. Not by might. That means not by human might. And it says, not by power. That's human strength. But by my spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Says the Lord of hosts. That's what God is saying he was going to do in the New Testament to, to push the gospel message of Jesus forward as it was going to be through his Holy Spirit. And I really think that, that a lot of us need to understand who the Holy Spirit is. Now, last week I kind of told you, or not kind of, I did tell you about the Holy Spirit, and I want to remind you again that that word spirit is a hard word to translate into English. The, the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, and it... it Directly translated, it means breath of God, breath. But it isn't the word breath, it's the <laughs> breath of God. Breathe. So you actually could feel the warmth of the breath of God on you. In the New Testament, it's pneuma. And pneuma means wind or breath of God. And, and in, in the New Testament, the idea behind it is that it is this wind or the breath of God that is propelling me and moving me to do greater things than I could ever do. I could never do it on my own. And the only way that I can do these things that I've been able to do is because I'm being propelled by the Holy Spirit working in my life. And so that's where we really want to get to today. And that's what it's all about in order to see what the Holy Spirit's going to work in our life. And so we all need to live spirit-filled lives. But the big question for us today is, how do we live a powered, filled life with the Holy Spirit working in us? It's living by the Spirit. The Apostle Paul wrote letters to, to a lot of different churches. They're called the Epistles. And so he wrote one to the church in Corinth, and, and here's what he said to the Corinthian church. He said, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it's living by God's power. Now, unfortunately, I think that there are a lot of people, and maybe you're one of them, that has really turned this, this relationship with Jesus into nothing but a bunch of talk. It's that we've got a belief or a belief system. We have these ideas that we've incorporated into our life that we're going to live by, but what we do with those is we just talk about them. But what the Apostle Paul says, and he's absolutely correct, is that the kingdom of God 
It's living by God's power. Now, this word power that's being used there, the Greek word for that is uh, dunamis. And that's where we get the word dynamite from. And so what Paul is saying with this power of God, that, that there is something explosive about this power that comes from the Holy Spirit living in our life. It's a supernatural ability. It's a supernatural strength of God to come and work through me because the Holy Spirit is doing something propelling and moving me in a way that I could never do in my own strength. So again, the question this morning is, how do we live spirit-filled lives? Well, I want to take you to, listen, don't misunderstand what I, my next words are. You think I'm going to talk about one verse. That's not true. I got a back pocket full of them, okay? But I want to start with this verse because that one verse is going to help us unpack the rest of our time together. And so this one verse that I want to share with you are the last words that Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. So Jesus came, he lived 33 years on planet earth. He, he gathered to himself 12 men who would become his apostles, minus one, um, the son of destruction, Judas. And, and he taught them, and he lived among them. He performed miracles for them. He had them, they, he taught them how to cast out demons. He told them all these different things and gave them. For three years, they walked, they ate, they slept. They were with Jesus for three years. And then Jesus now is standing on Mount uh, Olive, just outside of the holy city, Jerusalem, He's standing there uh, after spending 40 days appearing to his disciples and telling them that the power of the Holy Spirit was coming and he's appeared to them in his glorified body and he's standing there about ready to ascend into heaven, the great theological ascension into heaven and before he goes, he's going to give these last words to his disciples. And believe me, they must be important. It's the last thing he says, and he's going, pay attention, fellas. I want your eyes all right here. And Jesus says, here's what I want you to know. And he says, but you will receive power, there it is, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And the rest of the verse says, so that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world but it's the power to be the witness for Jesus. I want you to understand this. I hope you, you grasp what Jesus is telling his disciples. He's saying, go back to Jerusalem. Gather together, all of you. And by the way, there were 120 gathered together in the upper room. And he says, even though I've trained you for the last three years, even though I've taught you everything you need to know, even though I've shown you how to cast out demons, even though I've shown you how to take authority over all these things, here's what you have to do. You have to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. He's telling his disciples that there's nothing more important for them to do. They will not be able to accomplish anything unless they are empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
He's, he's telling them, this is the one thing that you have to have in order to go and do the things that I'm asking you to do. And that's, that's God's promise for us. He, that, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit wasn't just for the 120 who were in the upper room. It was for everyone. Everyone who would come to faith in Jesus would have the Holy Spirit poured out to them. And if you want to know and experience God doing something great in and through you, you will need to have the Holy Spirit come upon you. And to be frank with you, I think that there are some of you who are, when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit come upon you, your stance is probably something like this. Nope. Not going to do it. I know about that Holy Spirit, and I don't. I'm happy right where I am. Uh, I'm, I'm, my life is good. Uh, I've got everything I, I need. I know that God's got something greater for me. I know he can empower me. But I don't want to be a weirdo. I don't want to be one of those nut jobs. And that's what that Holy Spirit does. He makes you plumb nut crazy. Nope, not going to do it. Well, I want you to know that what God has for you is not what you may be thinking the Holy Spirit will bring to you. A lot of people are fearful of the Holy Spirit. A whole bunch of years ago when our kids were still living at home and somewhat under our control, if you have kids, they're never under your control. They're... They're faking you out. Yeah, I'll do that, Mom and Dad. And, and you, know, you, know, you know why they do that? Because you've been telling stories about when you were a kid and all the bad stuff you did and got away with and your parents were like, and you were telling your kids, yep, my Mom and Dad never knew. They're sitting there at the din- dinner table and they're doing this. So they, they, they've got it all down. But we took our kids way back when. Uh, we went on a road trip. Uh, that's when you could afford a road trip. So we, we went out to Oregon because I have family out there. And I, all my, I grew up in Oregon. I'm an Oregonian. I don't, uh, I don't tan, I rust. Because it rains there all the time. Okay? So uh, I grew up there. And so we took the kids to the Oregon coast. And when I was a kid... I spent a lot of tom- time on the Oregon coast. I mean, if you've never been to Tillamook, Oregon, you've got to go there because that's where you get the ice cream at the creamery. Woo! I'm telling you. I-, I actually had to buy a new shirt because apparently I'm not a slim athletic build anymore. <laughs> and the shirts that I were wearing, they started to get a little bit tight, and so this button had a lot of pressure on it. And I was afraid that if it popped, it would kill somebody in the front row. <laughs> Somebody's going to die if I'm wearing a shirt that pulls like... So I, this is a, a, a grandpa medium, just so you know. Still medium. But in, anyway, so spent a lot of time on the Oregon coast. Just, and, and when I was a kid and my mom and dad took us to the Oregon coast, we were poor. I mean, like, you know, I won't tell you how poor we were. We were just poor. That's all. So we only went out for dinner or to a restaurant probably twice a year. 
And we went to the Oregon coast, and my mom and dad said, hey, good news, we're going to take you for seafood. It's going to be awesome. And we're like, oh, yeah. And they pull up to this place, and we're going like, I ain't eating there. You look at that joint, and you're going like, they can't, I don't know what's in there, but that can't be a restaurant. And if you go in there, you're not going to get food. You're going to get a disease. That's what that place looked like. And they dragged us in there, and lo and behold, it was the best seafood I had ever eaten in my entire life. And I had eaten a lot because I love seafood. And as a matter of fact, I've made this rule about seafood. If you can't see the sea, don't eat the food. Okay? And so we're right there at the sea, we're, and we eat this, it's, it's in this little place called Depot Bay, and it's this little ugly hole-in-the-wall restaurant. Well, I take my kids there, and they get up, and they go like, are you kidding me? We're not going in there, and I'm thinking to myself, I said the same thing one time. And so we go in there, and I said, you, you, if you want to get a hamburger off the menu, you get a hamburger. You want a hot dog, a spaghetti, I don't care, but you will have some clam chowder. And all of them are going like, I ain't eating the clam chowder. And I said, you will have a taste of clam chowder. And the only two people that were excited about the clam chowder were Miss Lorinda and I. We're going, yeah. And our kids are going, Dad, don't want it. I said, take one spoonful and then eat it and then shut your mouth. Shut the food in there and their eyes got as big as saucers and they're going like, get me a bucket of that stuff because that's great. And all of a sudden it was clam chowder for everyone. Here's the reason why my kids hadn't had such a, a disdain for clam chowder, because the only clam chowder they had ever eaten in their entire life came out of a can. And that is not clam chowder. That's something else, and you shouldn't, I, I don't, I tell you that because that is probably a lot of our experience when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We see things, we hear things, people tell us what it's like, they tell us what you have to do, what the Holy Spirit's going to do to you, and really what it all is is that you've been experiencing the Holy Spirit in a can. And you don't have the real deal. And when you have the real deal of the Holy Spirit, your life just gets different. You're ignited by the Spirit of God. He's going to do greater things. He's going to do more things. He's going to do things that you never thought possible. And it isn't going to be weird and funky kind of stuff. It's going to be like, wow, I wished I would have had that a long time ago. But I, I still believe that there are a lot of Christ followers who know that they're going to heaven and I'm confident that they are. They're secure in that relationship. And, and I, I have no doubt that you are going to get into heaven. But you are currently, what you are currently experiencing is not what God has for you. I don't think that it's an, uh, an issue of the Holy Spirit. I think it's how he's been packaged to you. And so what I'm trying to tell you this morning, what I want to help you understand is that God has more for you than you're currently experiencing. He has more. Now, in the, when you come out of the Gospels in the New Testament, there's this book right away called Acts. 
And if you're new to the Bible, you're going to go like, is this a book about axe murderers or what? No, it's not. It's about the acts of the apostles. It's about the birth of the church. It's the historical events that took place in the church. And you will see in there, as you read that, that you will see story after story after story about people who are trying, the apostles are trying to convince them that they need the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I'm going to take two. Just two stories, and I'm going to present them to you to show you what it is that God has for you. And the first one starts in Acts chapter 19, and it says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, and that's, that's where Paul planted a church, and now Apollos is there, and he's ministering to the people there. Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. Paul also planted a church there, and he wrote a letter to them called Ephesians. And then... There he found some disciples. Disciples are Christ followers. They've given their life to Jesus. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have, never, we've, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I mean, can you imagine this, that there are people who, who are, have come and given their life to Christ. They've come to faith in Jesus. And when Paul says, how about the Holy Spirit? What do you have? And they're going like, <laughs> who's the Holy Spirit? But that's not uncommon. Because I think there are a lot of people sitting in churches today who have no clue who the Holy Spirit is. They think it's some kind of a mystical smoke machine or something. They really don't have a clue. And so then Paul said to them, Until what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. That baptism, by the way, is the most important one. That's the baptism that comes after you've given your life to Christ, and now you're going to move deeper into that relationship with Jesus. You're going to identify yourself as walking with Jesus, and so you get baptized. That baptism is the most important baptism. I want you to know that. It's hugely important. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. That's one story. Here's another one. Philip, that's one of the apostles, went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them, the Christ. In other words, he went to Samaria and he started to preach the good news about Jesus. He was preaching Jesus. But when they believed Philip as he was preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Get that? Salvation isn't just for one person. It's for everyone. And they were baptized. Every one of them. The baptism of salvation. You're born into the kingdom of God. And then you're baptized. That's, that's the sequence, the order. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. That's proclaiming the word of God. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the... Mm-hmm, you see? And then you teach them everything Jesus taught. But that's what happened here. And now it says, 
now the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. That was great news. I mean, the news traveled back to Jerusalem. Samaria had a revival, and a bunch of people have come to faith in Jesus, and they're going, woohoo! And so then they look around, they go, John, Peter, you guys better get down there and help them out. And so that's what they sent, John and Peter and John. And they went down and they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen upon them. You see, here's the deal. You come to faith in Christ, you get baptized, but you don't have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But they'd only been baptized by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. This is subsequent, receiving the Holy Spirit with power is subsequent to salvation and baptism. And God wants that for you. That's what he has for all of us. Peter and John, when they went down there, they knew that what those people had was really good because it secured them. They were going to go to heaven. They had this relationship with Jesus. Their sins had been all forgiven, but what they realized is that these new believers did not have everything that God had for them. There was so much more that they could have, and God wanted them to have it all. Now, the the, the question you might be asking yourself is, then why didn't God make it a, a package deal? Salvation, baptism, in power, infilling of the Holy Spirit. Why didn't he just do that? Wouldn't that save time? The reason G, that God planned it this way is he wants your relationship to Jesus to be a standalone event in your life. Nothing else coming along with it. You are here you, you recognize that you're a sinner, that you're in need of a Savior, that your sins will disqualify you from being in the presence of God, and the only way that you will ever get into the presence of the Father is through Jesus, His Son, through the forgiveness of sin, and so you ask Him to forgive sins, and you are saved. It is just like that. It is that easy, and now you're a child of God, and all your sins are forgiven. But then you need to get baptized as an act of obedience, and then the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's why God didn't do it all in one big failed swoop. He wants you to walk through the experiences of knowing Him and growing in Him in a deeper way and in obedience to loving Him. I actually thought there was going to be an amen there somewhere, but I don't know. That was a pretty weak, you know. But. So, Here's what's happening, though. A lot of people, the way that you're living and treating the Holy Spirit grieves God. It, it, quite honestly, it's offensive to him. He's highly offended by it. In Ephesians 4, it says this, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. And, and let me stop there for a second. And, and let me give you a little explanation behind that. Because when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit who helps you to say, I hate doing that because I want to walk with Jesus. I want to honor God with everything of my life. So I, I hate the sin that I did. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He, he puts that desire for righteousness in your life and puts the, dis the disdain for sin in your mouth. I hate that, but I love this. And that's why 
That's why we bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way we live. We don't live in accordance to walking in the Spirit. We walk by the flesh. And then it goes on to say, remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. He's been deposited. Listen, you are not empowered by the Holy Spirit, but you have the Holy Spirit with you. When you say yes to Jesus, God says, I'm going to make, I'm going to put a stamp of approval on you. That stamp of approval is the Holy Spirit. He's here already. That's why when you do something wrong as a Christ follower, you feel it immediately. That was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have behaved that way. I shouldn't have watched that. I was wrong. That was sin. We actually use that word, sin. You know, we don't like that word, sin. Uh, I misspoke. No, you lied. And that's a sin. Misspeaking is not a sin. So don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit is moving and breathing in you. And this is the most intimate part of your life in your relationship with God. The intimacy with God comes through the Holy Spirit. And, and it, He's the one that makes your, your life fit for the kingdom of God. So don't take that gift for granted. I want you to know that here at Wind River Community Church, every single person is on a spiritual journey. Every one of you. Myself included. I'm on this spiritual journey, and guess what I want? I want more. I don't have enough. I don't have enough to do what I have to do tomorrow. I don't have enough to lead this church where it needs to go. I don't have enough to help you. I need more of God through the Holy Spirit to do that. That's why this conversation in Ephesians, Paul carried it on. And it comes, shows up again in chapter 5. He, said, he lists all these things. He said, but instead, be filled with the Spirit. Instead of anything else going on around you, instead of worrying about tomorrow and worrying about your clothes, instead of, the, instead of satisfying and, and gratifying your flesh, be filled with the Spirit. It's just that simple. Be filled with the Spirit. What we need is for us to make room for the Spirit to do work in our life. But the big question is, how do we do that? So I've kind of laid the, the groundwork for you in all of this. Now, now I want to give you the application in three things. Three things that we need to do, okay? So the first one is this. In order for the Holy Spirit to do, have His way and do His work in our life, we need to remove the barriers that keep me from all God has for me. I need to remove barriers that will keep me from all that God has for me. So what would some of those barriers be? It's, let, me, let me just back up and say this. For some of you, it's not necessarily the Holy Spirit. Like I said earlier, it's not the Holy Spirit that is the barrier. It's the package that you've seen him packaged in. There, there are some people out there there are some churches that, that say this is who the Holy Spirit is and this is how he acts in every believer's life. Every believer has the same, everything looks the same. That's just not true. Because God created everybody differently. And so the Holy Spirit indwells differently in every person. That's why there are so many gifts that he gives to the church. Not everybody has the gift of prophecy. 
Not everybody has the, the gift of exaltation. Not everybody has the gift of pie making. Some of you should. All right, listen. There were two goldfish in the tank. You know what one said to the other one? Do you know how to drive this thing? Think about it. All right, this is just getting a little bit heavy there, all right? And, and some of you are, are probably afraid of what you don't know about the Holy Spirit. And, um, and I know what that's like. I've been down that path. I've traveled that road. Most of you, or some of you may know my, my story of how I came to faith in Christ. I went to this big camp, big family camp. There was, you know, the, the chapel held 1,500 people, and then there was room for another five or 600 people sitting outside with the wings opened up so you could hear inside. It was, it was just mo- one of the most phenomenal things I've ever experienced in my life. And it was at that camp that God put a call on my life to come to faith in Jesus. I was screwing around the whole message. But when, when the speaker said, if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you need to come forward today, the Holy Spirit struck me with conviction like that. And so I got up out of my chair, because back in the old days, you would go down to the front, and they had these little kneeling pad altars that you would go and you'd kneel at, and there would be somebody there to pray with you, some, some guy. And I go down there, and I got Reverend Wick. The only reason I remember his name is because I have a picture of him in my photo album that my mom gave to me because he was about the oldest guy at camp that year. He was almost 100 years old. And so this old fella, he's down there and he's praying with me. And he says, son, you here to ask Jesus in your life? I am. I, and I'm crying. And I, and I said, I need Jesus. And he says, well, then you need to confess your sin. Confess all your sin." Out loud. Okay. So I started to confess my sin. Stealing, lying, cheating. And then I started thinking like, what else have I heard in church that's a sin? I confessed the sin of divination. (laughs) Of transgression and iniquity. I confessed witchcraft. He kind of looks up at me, looks over at me, and I go, okay, well, I, I, I confessed the sin of rebellion fornication and adultery? I mean, I was 12. What did I know? I mean, it's stuff that was I heard at church, right? This is bad stuff. So I figured, well, if it's bad stuff, I want to cover everything, so I'm going to confess every sin I can think of that's found in the Bible. I didn't even know what it meant, but I was going to confess it. I wanted to be good. After I came to faith in Jesus, it was a few years after that, all of a sudden, there was, we were, again, back at, at camp, and God moves. In, it, it's just a setting that, that I hear somebody else speaking into my life. But at, it's been going on for days at this camp, like three days. I'm in turmoil on the inside. I mean, uh, you know, it's not heartburn. And, it, and, and I didn't have the flu, and I wasn't sick. But it was this angst inside of me that something wasn't right. And I knew that I was a believer and so I thought, I've got to figure this out, but I don't know how to figure this out on my own. So I went to one of the most godly people I know, one of, my mom. And I just sat there, and, and she was on the front porch with one of her friends of their little cabin, and they were talking, 
And so I, my mom just looks at me and she goes, what's wrong? I said, I don't know. There's something going on inside of me. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know how to tell you about it. I just, I feel out of sorts. I just, something's wrong. And I need it fixed. And my mom gets a little smile on her face. And I wanted to go, it ain't funny. And she says, honey, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And I'm like, what? He's calling you. What do I do? You go have a conversation with him. Okay. And then what? Whatever he asks for, you give it to him. All right. So I wandered off, and I found this place in the woods by this big cedar tree, and I sat down under the cedar tree, and as I sat there, I, I started to just... I, I, I just kind of probably some like you. Okay, Father, I know, I know you're my Father. Jesus, you forgave my sins. But Holy Spirit, I, I have no idea. But I'm supposed to act. So my mom said, come talk to you. So here I am, I'm talking to you. What do you want from me? Your life. What do you mean, my life? And it was God was calling me into ministry to be a pastor. The Holy Spirit had his hand on me. And he called me to come and be a pastor. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And so my mom asked me, you know, what happened? I said, well, apparently I'm going to be a pastor. And she says, okay. She says, I knew you were going to be a pastor. And I said, how would you know that? Because we had A.W. Tozer dedicate you as a baby. And I'm like, okay, thanks for nothing. A couple of months later, when we're back at home, my oldest brother's girlfriend at that time, she didn't last long, believe me, you'll, you'll know why. She said, hey, there's a big youth rally over here in our town. We lived in a little town called Wolf Creek. And they were having a uh, rally over the hill at Glendale. So we, all the youth groups said, yeah, we'll go to a youth rally. I mean, who doesn't like a good youth rally? I mean, there's going to be singing. You know, I wasn't going to go. And my older brothers go, you should come. And I go, I don't want to go. They, he, no, you need to come. I really don't want to go. There's going to be pretty girls. When do we leave? <laughs> and there were some pretty girls. So anyway, we got to the youth rally, and it started off like any good youth rally would, good singing, and, you know, and this was in the days when the hippie movement had started, and all of a sudden there were guitars being played in church. I mean, for my dad, that was sinful, but for us, we were like, yeah, I mean, it's as close to the Beatles as you can get and be in church. And so we loved it, and it was all going great until some adults all of a sudden started doing this thing. They're kind of up here in this area, up here, not saying that you guys are them guys, but them guys were doing this stuff, and they were loud, and they were speaking in tongues. But I knew enough to know that if somebody didn't get up and go, this is what they just said, that that wasn't right. There was something wrong about that. And then all of a sudden, there were these other people who would have been kind of in a, a room like this, and, and they started running around the room, and, and their hands sing, and they're just craziness, and they're saying one word, Jesus. And they kept saying it over and over and over again. And I mean, it was like, and I'm sitting there, and you can imagine my eyes got about this big around, and I'm going, eh, I ain't having none of this. And so I just kind of got up, and I said, I'm heading for the exit. I wasn't leaving because of Jesus. I was leaving because I was disturbed deeply in here. It was no bueno. And um, 
I was sitting by some pretty girls. Little did I know my brothers had already beat feet and gotten out of there. They left me there by myself. So anyway, I got out uh, and we went home. And, and so my opinion of the Holy Spirit is when you get the Holy Spirit on you, you're going to do some crazy stuff. You might even end up barking like a dog. And I'm like, mm, I don't want that. Well, four or five years later, I'm off at college studying to be a pastor. And one of my mentors says to me, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And I go, oh, no. Mm-mm. We're not doing that. I've been about halfway filled, and that's probably good enough. And he just looked at me, and he says, well, you need to seek the Holy Spirit. And you need to have him fill your life. You're going to go be a pastor. You cannot do this in your own strength and power. And so I took the whole next year. This is the year before Lorinda and I started dating. And I took that whole year. And I, I found a place in the college that was a, a little room. I mean, it was really small. And, and it, was, it, it held all the props and material for the drama team. And so I would go in there at 6 o'clock every morning. I would have my quiet time. I'd read the Word of God. I would worship a God. And then I would pray. And I started to pray. And I started asking the Holy Spirit to give me what I lacked. I even asked the Holy Spirit, get this. If you want to give it to me, if you want to give me the gift of tongues, I will have it. And I asked him for an entire year. At the end of the entire year, I didn't have the gift of tongues, but he empowered me and he gave me other gifts. And still today, I keep saying to the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, what I'm lacking, would you please give to me? If you have it and I don't have it, I need it. I need what you've got because what I've got isn't enough to do what I'm going to do. And I am going to tell you that that was over 40 years ago and it has been the best thing since coming to faith in Christ that I have ever experienced in my life because what has happened is I was able to remove the barriers that kept me from knowing the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life. Here's, here's the big issue. We tend to avoid what we are afraid of or what we don't understand. Do not let a fear of the Holy Spirit or a misunderstanding of who he is keep you from experiencing his power in your life. Because what God gives to us is always good. Matter of fact, the way James says it, he says, if it's, a, if it's, if it's good and if it's perfect, that's a gift from above. It comes from your Father in heaven. And so you need to embrace this good and perfect gift from above. He has it for you. He wants you to have it. So what do we do? For some of you, you just need to repent. We've, we've offended God by our doctrinal position, by our fear, our resistance, our apathy towards the Holy Spirit. We say to him, no, I'm not going to move. I don't, I don't want it. I'm going to heaven and that's enough for me. And I'm telling you right now, that is highly offensive to God and you need to repent of it. Matter of fact, that's what Peter said when he preached his first message, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Repentance is the gift 
that Jesus gives to us. It's, it's not a one-time thing. Salvation is a one-time deal. Repentance is a gift that we get to keep coming back and repenting and turning from our sin and coming to God because when we do that and you, you experience the forgiveness of sins and you're baptized, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But, but why? Why is it? Is it just a promise for you? No, it is a promise for you and for your children. And for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord calls to himself, he wants all of us to have more. He has more for you, and if you're not empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will never experience the more. The second thing, and that what we really need to do is we need to take a step towards God, but that leads into the second thing. Ask God I'm going to ask God to give me all that he has for me. I'm asking you to ask God to give you what he has for your life. I, and I, I want to make this declaration that it's absolutely true. All we have is not all that God has. There should have been more than just one that's right over here. It should have been, oh yeah, Amen. Uh, get on track with me now, because I can finish off quicker that way. What we have is not all that God has for us. So we call out to God, and we're saying, I'm going to stay on this journey, and I need you more than I ever wanted it, to have you in all my life. I need you in my life. I need your power. I need your help. And so some of you need to pray that kind of a prayer. But that may seem dangerous for some of you to ask God for more. There are some of you who are not experiencing all that God has for you. And you've taken a stand to resist God. Last week I told you about the, the vision that the angel walked Ezekiel through. Well, I'm going to walk you through that this week. And so this is the angel, this is Ezekiel talking about the angel who came along and took him through this vision. He's already been at the temple and the, and the river is flowing out the east, the entrance facing the east out of the temple. And this is what he says, going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man, that would be the angel, measured a thousand cubits and he led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. I maintain to you and say to you that that, that ankle deep is when you step into the river of salvation. You are saved at that moment. But all you're doing is you're just kicking up a little water, splashing around with Jesus, and it's all really good. And that's where you want to be to begin with, because you all have to start somewhere. You start ankle deep. But you shouldn't stay at ankle deep, because then it says that again he measured a thousand and led me through the water that was knee-deep. Now you've moved from just salvation to where you're trying to and wanting to experience more of life. And so when you're looking at that, what you're looking at is you're going like, I need to get involved in a life group. I think a life group would really be good for me. If you were to get involved in a life group, here's the thing I will tell you. You will grow deeper with Jesus in one year than you have in the last three years. In a life group. That's where real life happens is in a life group. You need to get involved in that. You, or you, you could start to volunteer and participate in helping out in areas around here. We have this kids ministry right over here. That's the fastest growing ministry in our church. The, the reason why we have from age four to grade three 
is because we had grade four and five in there, but they were jam-packed full, and we didn't have enough room for everybody, and it was pretty hard, so we said, kick those fourth and fifth graders out of there. They can go and fall asleep in church. And as soon as we did, that room was filled again. That's why we're going to be building a, a ministry building out here as a portable. It's going to be built right out of here. I've talked to the guy that's doing it. We're, we're getting closer to starting and breaking ground. But I want you to know that that is the place right there, that ministry. So if you want to, you want to grow in your faith, Get involved in kids' ministry. There's help in the nursery. You can go and be involved in hospitality, making coffee. All of you like coffee. Most of all, you all like coffee. You benefit from it. You can help out. You want to greet people. You want to help take care of the building. You know, mow the grass, help make sure the weeds are taken care of, make us look good. You do that. You step into that and just ask God to do something. You're, you're this deep in with God and your life will be transformed. But it's when you take the stance of where you go next, because he says, and again he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist deep. I don't know if you've ever been in the river waist deep. Not the lake, the river. There's a current that's pushing against you. And, and typically what is happening, that river is wanting to take you to a place you really don't want to go. If, if you've got waders on, you want waist deep, you don't want neck deep because it'll fill your waders, and then you're, you're meeting Jesus quicker than you thought you would. And so you brace yourself, and, and you're pushing back, you're giving some resistance to where the river wants to take you. You're pushing back against it. And that's that resistance. And some of you, that's the Holy Spirit pushing you. He wants to take you to deeper places with God. But you've put up a resistance against him. You're not allowing him to take you where you want to go. And if you would just give in to the Holy Spirit, you'd be able to go to places that you never thought or dreamed you would go. You would have spiritual things taking place in your life. You would be aware of deeper things of God. But the problem is you don't want to give control over to God. You want to keep control for yourself, and I'm going to tell you that that is a dangerous place to be with God. And, it's, and here's why. First of all, you're missing out on all of God. You're not having all of Him. And second of all, you're rejecting the middle of the will of God and what God has for you that requires you to be out of control. How do I know this happens? Because I see it happening here every Sunday. People are resisting the work of God. They're resisting the, the word of God. And, and I'm just going to give you some examples from the word of God. It says in the, in the Bible that all God's people should lift their hands and shout to God with loud songs of joy. That's not the way I worship. No, sirree, these hands ain't going nowhere. Mm-mm. And then again, the Bible says, I desire that in every place, men, that's men and women, should pray lifting holy hands. Oh, ho, ho. ho uh. My hand got got in my pockets. Make sure my keys are still there when we're done. Not going to lift holy hands. 
It says to lift your hands towards the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Nope, that's not my style. And God is saying, but there is more. But you're entrenched in your current position. You're saved and you're going to heaven and you're going to be fine. But you will never see the top from where you're at. You're settling for less than what God has for you. So what do we do? Well, I'm going to skip a little bit here, and I'm going to say, give us one year of your life, this church. That means jump in and be involved in 21 days of prayer. Get involved in um, a life group. Participate in in serving somewhere in the church. Find out a place where you can serve. When we get our um, what's, uh, what's next series up and running, Matt, Pastor Matt, have that going up for us in the fall. Go through that three-week period where you discover your purpose that God has for you. There's all these things. Just give us one year of your, just one year of your life and see what God will do. It'll be different. It'll be transformed. And the third thing is, is that you need to develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. There's a benediction that's found in 2 Corinthians, and it's 13, 14, and it says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's salvation. The grace of Jesus is our salvation. The love of the God, that's God wrapping his arms around you and going, you're my child, I've adopted you into my family. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The word that Jesus is speaking here when he says this, that he wants us to do that, it's, it's like he says this. This is a log, and you've got to carry that log down there. You, if you pick up that end, Jesus says, I'll pick up the other end. Matter of fact, I'll carry more of that log than you will. But it's in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. It's in that fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It means that we, we go together and we work at it. It's this amazing thing that God has given to us, and he wants you to have it. So your job is to eliminate the barriers that keep you from resisting the Holy Spirit. Your job is, is to seek God and ask him for more of what he has for you. And the third thing is to develop that intimate relationship that the Holy Spirit has for you. Amen? We're going to pray. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. This this is a, a message that really speaks to the heart of who we are in full relationship with God. And sometimes we just, we don't want to go there. And so this morning I'm just saying to you, if you've been sitting here listening and you know that you need more of the Holy, that you need the Holy Spirit to come and do something in your life, and you've been resisting, you've had wrong idea about Him, you, you don't know what's going on, you, you want to go deeper, but you've just been resistant, you've just been doing your own thing, and you recognize that you need more of what God has for you, and you want me to pray for you, just slip your hand up right now where you're at. Just put your hand up. Mm-hmm. I see those hands all over the room. Listen, keep your hand up. I want you to keep your hand up because I'm going to pray for you, but I want your hand, I want you to turn your hand heavenward to receive what the Holy Spirit's going to give to you. And so now, 
Holy Father, we thank you that you love us and we thank you, Jesus, that you went to the Father so that, the whole, that, so that you, Holy Spirit, would come and for every person that has their hand raised in recognition saying, I need more of the Holy Spirit or I need the Holy Spirit to empower my life, I pray right now that in the name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would empower your people to walk with you and to be your men and women so that they can do the things that you've called them to do so that they can have the boldness to be your witnesses to the people you've placed around them. I pray for your blessing to be upon them. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would remind them. I pray that they would ask you every day, Holy Spirit, if there's something I'm lacking, I need it today, would you please give it to me? And that would be the, the start of every day, asking you to be a part of their life. And so we pray that you would come and you'd pour your spirit out upon our people, that your kingdom would be built because of what you're going to do in each of our lives. We pray this together in Jesus' great name. And all God's people said, amen.